And we welcome you to this edition of Tuesday People, the podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Album. I'm also the author of the book, Tuesdays with Maury, upon which this podcast is inspired. The lessons that I learned alongside my old professor, Maury Schwartz, when he was dying from Lou Gehrig's disease some 25 plus years ago, still resonate today. Uh, they have been embraced through the book, Tuesdays with Maury, by many, many, many people around the world. It's the reason we started this podcast. And we've connected with so many people who read the book, are reading the book, or as a result are, are uh, getting the book to read it. Uh, but it's the lessons of the book, not the book itself. It's the lessons of the book and the lessons of a wise old professor that we're sharing and re-examining and going over week after week, myself and my friend and producer, Lisa Goitsch, who's here as always. Lisa? Always here for you, Mitch. Mm. And, and for the podcast. And for the podcast. And for the podcast. So there was a, uh, I've been thinking about this as I've been watching the basketball playoffs, which are going on right now. I'm, I'm a sports guy, as many people know. And the basketball playoffs are on right now. The hockey playoffs are on right now. So it's a, uh, it's a big sports time for uh, determining champions. And right. uh, now that people are going back into these stands and there are more and more crowds, you see the crowd behavior. You see the way that the, uh, the noise is back. And so is some of the bad behavior. Uh, mm -hmm. I don't know if you followed this, but there have been cases where water bottles have been thrown at NBA players, where a bucket of popcorn yeah. was dumped on an NBA player's head. Just over the weekend, the USA and Mexico played in a soccer game that you were lucky to get out alive from this thing. There were so many things that were thrown it's, and debris hurled. It's, it's crazy, right? It's insanity. Oh, my gosh. All for the right to win the game and therefore be the top champion in the NBA, top in the NHL, top in the soccer world, whatever it is. So Maury, one time when we were visiting uh, on a Tuesday, he told me of this incident that had happened that I just thought was very funny, and I ended up writing it in the book uh, and have heard from people ever since around the world about how they so enjoyed the fact that he did this rather than my reveal it to you. Let me let me play it for you right here from our original conversations back in 1995. And maybe every once in a while, you can make a statement which gets other people thinking about mm. what they're doing. Mm. If you find the right moment, the right time and place, so to speak, maybe you can throw in like I sometimes do, we're number one, we're number one. Mm. And I say, hey, what's wrong with number two? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Never thought about that. No. Oh, no, no, they want to be number one. Right. But maybe they heard, number two's pretty good, all right. right. Well, where, did you, where did you suggest that? Some game I went to, mm -hmm. basketball game, right. something else. And well, how did they respond? Like, if, if you say, what's the matter with being number two? What, they wouldn't want that. They say, why not? That's not number one. Yeah. You don't have any answer. I mean, there's no, there is no real answer. Yeah. Yeah. But at least it might make them think. Mm -hmm. But what the hell they're saying? So Maury actually went to a basketball game at Brandeis. 
And the crowd was cheering, we're number one, we're number one. And he stood up and yelled, <laughs> what's the matter with being number two? <laughs> now, even nobody threw up watermelon at his head. Right, or a, a bucket of popcorn or a bottle <laughs> of water. Now, right, sports fans are not the most esoteric or philosophical, especially when they're in the middle of a game. And so nobody really had much of an answer for him, even at a place like Brandeis, where they're liable to take a question like that more seriously uh, than other places. But it is it is kind of the basis of what I wanted to share with you in a small lesson here today. We do live in a culture where we are taught that number one is the goal. Number one is the goal. And nothing short of that will suffice. And think about the pressures that you're perhaps under in your own world about being number one, maybe to be the number one salesperson on your force, to be the number one biller for whatever your business happens to be, to be the number one uh, cake sale winner in the local mm-hmm. PTA thing, to be the to be you know the the number one. Uh, kids soccer team if your kids on a soccer team well we have to keep taking them to the the locals and the regionals and the states and the nationals because we're not going to stop until we're number one number one there's so much of this going on so much of a a race to be the absolute top i'm reminded of the movie talladega nights the very funny (laughs) will ferrell movie i love that movie yeah where when uh he's a kid his father, who is a you know race car driver himself, local, says to him, "If you're not number, if you ain't first, you're last." And they keep mm-hmm. repeating that throughout the movie. Remember, if you ain't first, you're last. If you ain't first, you're last. And and all throughout the course of the movie, Will Ferrell's character, who's chasing kind of the ghost of his absent father, keeps saying and tells his own kids, "If you ain't first, you're last. If you ain't first, you're last." And finally, his father comes back into the picture his long lost father. And he has this big confrontation scene, big for a comedy. And he says to him, you know, well, dad, you know, you told me if you ain't first, you're last. I've been living like that. You ain't first, you're last. And his father says, well, I must've been high when I said that (laughs) or something like that. And he says, what do you mean? He says, well, how stupid a thing is that? He says, what do you mean if you ain't first, you're last? You can be second, you can be third, you can be fourth, you can be fifth, a whole lot of things between first and last, you know? And it just takes apart the whole movie. And of course, it's very funny. Uh, But there's a lot of smart philosophy in that because it is okay to be, in a high grouping without being the absolute best. It is able, it is fine to just do your own best. There's a big difference between when we tell our children, do your best or Mm -hmm. be the best. There's a big difference. How many of you have told your children if they're going to a competition, if they're going to take a test, if they're going to be in a school play or, and and you say to them, uh, well, if you're going to go out for it, you know, do your best, or if you're going to go out for it, then be the best. You know, get the top role or win it. Don't don't bother doing. It. There's such a world of difference between those two messages. Mm-hmm. A world of difference between doing your best, which your is best, winning, right? Which is winning, or being the best. Did you see that news story about the girl, um, the high school student, who was fighting her town school board to be? 
she felt she was number one in her class, but they had her listed as oh, number right. three. Right. And they brought in all these like actuaries to do all these numbers and recounts, and she would not accept right. the fact that she wasn't number one. And I thought, wow, like, you know, I would have been lucky to be in the top three of my class. <laughs> I probably yeah. wasn't in the top 30. Um, Alpine, Texas. Yeah. yeah. Alpine, Texas, a, uh, a recent graduate, could not find affordable lawyer, represented herself in court, arguing that school mm-hmm. officials made errors in tabulating grade point averages. No less a place than the New York Times <laughs> wrote about this story. 18-year-old girl, to prove that she was the number one student and uh, maybe she wanted to be the valedictorian, which comes with that. Yeah. And it didn't, it sort of resolved in a weird way. Like the end of the story is sort of, I think she's still where she was. There was no movement in it, but, uh, you know, I don't know if they're taking it up to a higher court or I don't know what they're going to do with it, but. (laughs) So she's number three in her whole class. It, again, it's part of this mentality that really is going to drive you crazy. And, you know, I'm in a band with a lot of very famous writers. We've talked about it sometimes in the past called the Rock Bottom Remainders. And when I say famous writers, I mean famous writers uh, like uh, Stephen King and Amy Tan and Scott Turow and Greg Isles and Dave Barry and Ridley Pearson, James McBride. If you took all the numbers of books that these people have sold, you know, it would be hundreds of millions. Of course, mm-hmm. Stephen King by himself is a hundreds, hundreds of millions. But, <laughs> uh, and, and we were having a discussion once about, um, you know, people were talking about w- how many books they sold and then another person, how many books they sold, you know, the way that it sometimes happens. No, no, no one was oh, actually bringing it up. I would love to be up. in on that. Well, uh, nobody was actually <gasps> bringing it up, but you could sort of say, well, I, wow, I'd be... I'd be thrilled if I sold that many, or I'd be thrilled if I was on the bestsellers list for that for and someone else would. And I remember Dave Barry and I kind of went away from that conversation at one point, and we said, you know, one of the things that this band um, is good for, because God knows the music wasn't one of them because we're terrible, <laughs> but one of the things this band is good for is to remind you that there is always somebody who's doing better than you, and there's... Mm-hmm probably always somebody who's doing worse. Here you are in a, in a band of very successful people, and any one of those people that I just mentioned, if you took them out of it, would be hailed in the writing world as being a successful author. They were published mm-hmm. multiple times. Their books made the New York Times bestsellers list. Everybody that I just mentioned had all that happen. But some sold more than others. Some were on the list yeah. longer than others. Some was on the list longer than the others than the others. Some was more than the others. And there's always somebody, mm-hmm. always somebody ahead. And I found that to be very liberating to sort of realize, hey, it doesn't matter how hard you work at this. So in that band, Stephen King sold more books than anybody. But Stephen King hasn't sold more books than anyone, anybody in the world. I think J.K. Rowling may have sold more books than him. So then J.K. Rowling, who wrote the Harry Potter thing, may say, well, but, yeah, but there's somebody out there who sold more books than, than me, you know, and, and then eventually you get to the Bible or whatever, you know, you're all. Yeah, yeah I was just going to say King I mean, you James, can, he's number right. one. <laughs> you can always be envious of somebody. And, and then when you become number one, you're always spending all your time worrying about who's going to come along and, and knock you off your perch. What lobster yeah. is going to climb up the bucket and pull you down so that they can try to get up themselves only to be pulled down themselves? 
We are a society <laughs> that emphasizes this number one business. And I think the shoe companies and the Gatorades and some of these things help perpetuate this oh, concept yeah. of just I, every athlete they profile seems like they're all, they're out there working at two o'clock in the morning when nobody else is. Uh, they're they're yeah. working summers when nobody else is. The the insinuation is that they are better than everybody else because they're working so hard and, and they've earned yeah. it. But of course, if you make a commercial with one person like that and make a commercial with another person like that, then I, it doesn't seem like it's possible that both of them mm -hmm. could be doing that. One of them has to be working one minute longer. I remember in the world of sports covering you know, so many football coaches and at first you would hear about them uh, spending long, coming in really early, and spending long hours at the at the office, and then you'd hear about them coming in on on Sundays. You know, if they were college coaches, the game was on Saturday. They were in the office by Sunday morning. Back working. Then you started to hear about them sleeping at the office. This became a big thing. A coach named Dick Vermeil, who oh, coached yeah. the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, there were a lot of profiles about him. I doubt he was the first one, but it, this sort of became associated with him that he would just sleep at the office so that he would not waste time going back and forth to home. He could just fall yeah. asleep going over the film, wake up in the morning, you know, brush his teeth in the office and, and get right back to it. And all of this to just sort of say, I spend more time at it. I spend more time at it. This is why we're going to win. This is what gives us the winning yeah. edge. Have you heard that phrase before? The winning edge. We're going to have the winning edge. What gives us the winning edge? We outwork everybody, everybody. It's this whole notion of number one is all that matters. Instead of saying we work hard, we do really mm -hmm. good work, but we also try to be balanced human beings. Now, there was yeah. nothing balanced about Dick Vermeil, who blew, who basically blew himself up, you know, yeah, and burned himself out. Crazy. He became a poster child for burnout in the football world and ended up leaving the game. And that is often what happens with, boy, I've seen it happen with young athletes, tennis players, uh, especially, uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one people, golfers, people who have so much pressure on them one-on-one. -on -one, to to work and to work and to work and to work and then they just hate it and they quit in their early 20s mm -hmm. because they just can't take it anymore and here they missed their whole childhood because they were so busy traveling around with coaches and tournaments and skipping high school and being tutored and then it doesn't even pay off they end up not yeah. even going into it because they had to be number one instead of saying, I enjoy this, I'm working as hard as I can at it, I'm good at it, I'm pretty good at it, I'm very good at it. There are lots of adjectives you can use in life that are very complimentary that don't have the number one in front of them. They don't have E-S-T at the end, greatest, biggest. Yes. You know, but you, you can you, still be great, yes. Yeah, you can be great. And, you know who perpetuates that? Parents of... Uh, young athletes, mm. you know, they really push their kids. And if the kid isn't the best in the game, then they come home and they get, you know, yelled at or right. demeaned. You see that all the time in, in sports, the people yell, the parents yelling from the, the sidelines. And, and you're like, wow, what if your kid is just like a really good player? Do they have to be, they don't have to be the best with the highest scholarship somewhere right. to the number one pick or whatever. Right, right. You can still be really, really good and have a really great career and a life ahead of you, you know? More importantly, you can have a life, period. Uh, you yeah. can have a complete life. Most 
I would say all, really well-lived lives, when you study them in the aftermath, were balanced lives. They were Mm -hmm. lives that included great accomplishments, sure, but helping other people, first and foremost, being good to your own family, uh, having good friends and and children that you can be proud of. These tend to be the lives that we admire when all is said and done. We may admire someone's accomplishments. Wow, that person wrote code faster than anybody else, or that person ran 200 meters faster than anybody else. But we don't really admire the person for that. We admire the act. And when when we confuse or diffuse the person with the act, then we're doing a disservice to the person. We're reducing people to just their greatest accomplishment. And there are so many people out there who are defined by their accomplishments. That's it. They're, if they're not, uh, w- within, within all sales worlds, there's like regional sales and national sales. And you'll say real, the realty business is like this a lot. Number mm-hmm. one realtor, number one in, in such and such county, yeah. number one mm-hmm. in the state of whatever, number one nationally with 500 million worth of real estate sold. And it's such a, I know a lot of people in that game and they chase those numbers and they try to Uh. massage the numbers just so that they can claim they're number one. Instead of saying, you know, a really good, reliable, trustworthy realtor with a great track record. No, no, no. I want to say number one in such and such county. If I don't have that on my business card, then I'm somehow a failure. And that way leads to madness because there can only be one person who holds that, which means does that render everybody else second rate? Ain't first, yeah. you're last. When I I learned that lesson very early in my life, I was never and I was never a great athlete or anything, but I was I was a cheerleader in high school for one season and I was a uh I started on the basketball thing, then I moved to wrestling for that year. So um, that year at the cheerleading banquet, they give out awards to everybody, right? I got the Avis or number two award, always tries harder. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what it said. What? First of all, okay, I can look at it in retrospect and say, okay, I'm totally fine with it. But it's a little scarring when you're... <laughs> When you're in high school and you get the number two award, always yeah. tries harder. You know, you know, you're she's so nice. She has a good yeah. personality. Like Did that, they actually call it the Avis award. award. Yeah, because there was an Avis commercial oh, out. Well, right. So yeah, yeah, the one I, the- I want to remind our, our audience, some of them may be too young to remember this, but this is very instructive. So Avis was always finishing second to Hertz. Hertz was always the <laughs> biggest rent-a-car company, and Avis was second. And I'm sure someone in their marketing department said, you know, what are we going to do to become number one, and how, how are we going to do this? What? And somebody along the way finally said, why don't we make a campaign about ourselves to be about us being number two? And I'm sure the conversation went something like, why don't we do something where we celebrate the fact we're number two? Are you out of your mind? Who wants to be number two? Uh, no, no, it could be good. Well, what could possibly be good about it? Well, I know why. We'll, we can say we try harder. People associate yeah. more with the underdog. And it turned out to be a hugely successful campaign. Huge, it went on for huge years. Campaign, yeah. So they said, Avis, we're number two. We try harder. And that was something that I'm sure Hertz like, really couldn't rebuff 
because yeah. when you're number one, you can't say no. We try harder, <laughs> and we're not. It doesn't. It sounds like you're bragging. <laughs> but number two, it's you know everybody can relate to being number two because the fact is there's way more of us who are number two, three, four, five, six, seven, all the way to last, yeah. than there are people who are number one. Right? Yeah. Rocky, yeah. the reason Rocky was so popular as a movie the first time it came out is because he lost. I mean, yeah. it, it, you know, I'm sure there were some, I'm sure there were some marketing people who sat there with that movie and said, no, no, we got to make him win. We got to make him win. And hopefully Sylvester Stallone, or whoever made it, said, no, the fact that he tried, the fact that he got in the ring from where he yeah. was and managed to last long, that is winning. If you have him yeah. win the fight on top of it, it becomes a, ridiculous. It becomes a parody. Come on, that could never happen kind of thing. Not that Rocky could have happened anyhow. but uh, and, and they were really <laughs> smart in making that so that he loses. Because in losing, there is this empathy that, that actually makes you a winner in terms of the way that people embrace mm -hmm. you. And that's what, that's what Avis did. And they said, just embrace the fact that we're number two. Come to us. We try harder. Well, who would you rather be with? The people who are on top who are like, maybe they're going to be haughty or maybe they're going to say, we don't care if we lose your business. Uh, we got more business after you and you're just another customer. Or do you want to be with the number two guys? And number two, we're trying harder. <laughs> hey, thanks for coming in. We really appreciate it. We're trying harder. And it, it was a great idea. So there are moments yeah. where being number two and embracing being number two actually makes a lot of sense. But the most important place where it makes sense is for your mental well-being. If you are always shooting for number one, you are going to be disappointed. Someone else mm -hmm. will achieve it ahead of you, at least in some cases in your life, even if you're the most ex exceptional person in the world. But if you say, I want to be very good at this, that's fine. I mean, think of people taking up guitar lessons. I oh, really yeah. want to get good at guitar. Great. That's a good idea. But if you say, I want to be better than Segovia was, I want to play rock and roll better than Jimi Hendrix did, I would, you're going to be very disappointed. These people were yeah. geniuses in their own ways. Uh, in Hendrix's case, not particularly happy. You know, it had a, had a very a right. terrible end. And so do many people who drive themselves crazy with the obsession of being the best. So if you just say, I want to be a good guitar player... You can achieve that goal and you'll be satisfied. If you say, I want to be the best guitar player in the world, you likely will never achieve that goal and never be satisfied. Mm -hmm. So think of Good what it lesson. is that you're chasing. Yeah. And sometimes being number two, number three, number four, it is a blessing. It's a, it's a gift to say, wow, I'm really good. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm good at something without the burden of, it being the best. And it also teaches us to accept that there are other people in this world besides us. And mm -hmm. some of them are going to be better than us at certain things. And that's okay. I saw Venus Williams, the tennis player, was commenting on what recently took place with Naomi Osaka, the tennis player who pulled out of the oh, yeah. French Open mm -hmm tennis tournament because she didn't want to do press conferences because she said they made her nervous and she she was already fighting some depression and and she just didn't like the press conference thing and they said well if you're not going to do the press conferences we're going to fine you and 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 eventually you'll be suspended because those are the rules you got to do them and she just withdrew from the tournament rather than go through that and so other people were weighing in and venus williams 
the sister of Serena Williams, said, well, here's how I deal with the press. I, I remind myself that none of them will ever play tennis as well as I play tennis. Mm-hmm. And, and, and none of them can hold a candle to me or light a candle to me were his exact phrase. None of them can light a candle to me. Now, that's very haughty. And that's the, that's the like, I'm number one in that group, so they'll never, they'll never be as good as me. And so I make myself feel better by reminding them that they're worthless. I didn't particularly think it was a great comment, and, and uh, it kind of gives you some insight into how she views people who you know, are, are the press. Now, the press might have said to her, well, you know what? You'll never write a story as well as we will or whatever it is. Yeah, and then you go right. back and forth about saying, well, we're better than you in this and we're better than you in that. Instead of just saying, you know, everybody has their skill. Everybody has a thing that they do. And to respect that and to honor that and to not be competitive about it is a much more humane way to go through life. Probably much more fun, too than to constantly be weighing yourself against where you are or what ranking you have. I feel bad for these tennis and golf players. They, they get ranked every week. Every yeah, week. Yeah, horrible. Yeah, <laughs> and imagine? if you miss a week or if you're <laughs> sick a week, oh, you went from number 80 in the world to number 172 in the world. You know, oh, yeah, wow. Horrible. What a it's like being pushed off a cliff. Um, these <laughs> rankings, you know, even even movies, Think about like how we've changed as a culture. We, movies used to come out and people would talk about whether they liked them or not, right? And you'd read a review or you'd mm-hmm. go and you'd tell people. Now they talk about how much money they made on Monday yeah. morning. Number one movie of the weekend. You know, it might be a terrible movie, but wow, it's number one because it had the biggest yeah. box office. It's number one. Mm-hmm. We love that. Number one it has nothing to do with quality, nothing to do with anything like that, if it has a positive message or anything, it's just Mm-mm. number one. We are obsessed with that number. And I thought Maury had it best when he said, what's the matter with being number two? The answer is nothing. On the contrary, it's a big deal to be number two. That means everybody but one person or one thing did not finish as highly as you did. It's a big deal to be yeah. number three, because that means all those people. Unless, I'll give you one case scenario where it wasn't in my own life. I went to something that was called the uh, Olympics for Journalists in France. Somebody uh-huh. got this idea. It was, I think, in the 90s, late 80s, early 90s. Someone got this idea that they would have like a Olympic Games, but for sports writers and sports journalists around the world. And they could compete Whoa. in you know, track and field events. They didn't have everything. Oh, so you actually had to do athletic things. Oh, yeah, you didn't athletic have to write. events. Yeah, oh. not writing. No, sit down and write. Yeah. <laughs> One, two, three, go. Right. No, they were actually sporting events for people who covered sports. And, oh, my goodness. You know, they had track and field. They had swimming. They had a few other things. So I thought this would be funny, and I went. I went to write about it, but I wanted to participate. And, of course, it was part of me that, you know, I wanted to win. They gave out gold, silver, and bronze medals, and I wanted to win one. You know, just say I won a medal. That would be cool. And I was perfectly happy with being number three. As long as I got a medal, that would have been good. But every race that I entered, I I, I finished back in the pack, you know, eighth or ninth or tenth, and I just didn't. And finally, the last day, they had a swimming competition. And I signed up for this one uh, just to 
200 meter or 100 meter um, swim of the pool, you know, freestyle stroke. And I noticed there were only four people signed up, including myself. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Thinking, All right. All right. My chance here. I only oh, have no. to beat one person. I don't have to beat everybody. I just have to beat one person and I'm going right. to get a medal. Oh, my God. So I'm very excited. I'm all worked up. I say, look, this is the last thing you're going to do. Throw yourself into it. Throw yourself. Right. Don't worry about how tired you're going to be for tomorrow. <laughs> Throw yourself into it. So we get in the pool. You know, I figure, okay, 50 meters. I got to go up and back. I'm done. They blow the whistle. I dive. And I just am churning madly. Every ounce of strength that I've had for the whole week, I'm throwing into this race. I touch one wall. I kick. I put bat. I, I'm swimming. I, I, I can see, you know, I'm. I don't see anybody that's really close to me, you know, or ahead of me, uh-huh. you know, we all seem to be about the rainbow. I'm going to beat one of these people. I know I'm going to beat one of these people. Pushing, pushing. My, 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 my lungs are bursting and I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm just not even breathing, you know, I'm chug, chug, chug. And I touch the wall and they have the person, you know, who's kind of leaning over to make sure that you touch the wall, you know, the judge. Uh-huh. I touch the wall and I go ah, 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 like that. And I look at him and he looks at me. And he goes, he waves his hands at me and goes, Ale, 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 go, go, go. And that's when I realized it was a 25 meter pool, oh, not no. a 50 meter pool. <laughs> and everybody else was already on their third lap, and I was totally exhausted. Oh. Oh, and I no. had to try to swim two more laps. I had nothing <laughs> left. And oh, I finished fourth out of four. No medal. Oh, oh. So that there was other a time. Guy- yeah, the other guy that went in it just like you that were like, there were only four in here. There's yeah. one guy I'm going to beat. You're yeah, I was the guy that they beat. I was the guy they all beat. Uh, but So I didn't get the medal. But I participated in it. It was funny. And look what I get. I get a funny story to tell. Which would be better, story. to tell that story or to have some little piece of of uh, right. you know, bronze sitting somewhere as of, yeah, I want a bronze. There are four people in the whole race. So sometimes you're you don't know. You're number four. Yeah. You're number sometimes four. Finishing number four can be more fun <laughs> than number one. At least it makes for a better story. So as Maury would say, what's the matter with being number two? So next time you hear everybody screaming or a commercial screaming, we're number one, we're number one, be number one, be number one. Just remember, there's no shame in being two or three or four or five or six or seven or eight or nine. A good lesson there from Maury in this time of sports mania. Yes. If you like what you heard, please feel free to uh, leave us a a message or a ranking or any of those things. We always appreciate those. You can go to our website at wetuesdaypeople.com to check out all previous shows and join in our discussion groups and our chats about the different topics. And we do this once a week, which means on behalf of Lisa Goitsch, producer of this program, I am Mitch Album saying, see you next Tuesday. Thank you for listening to Tuesday People. To be part of our conversation, join the Tuesday People community at wetuesdaypeople.com. Subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you with us every Tuesday because, after all, we're Tuesday People. <laughs>